0: Tavern today. Did you miss a show? Listen to podcasts from all your favorite ESPN Las Vegas shows at LVSportsNetwork.com, KWWN Las Vegas, and KLAV Las Vegas. In the morning, when you need the news that matters most.
1: We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate, and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us. The press. And everyone knows that? On the Press Box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means.
2: I thought the fourth estate was Todd.
1: That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Granny and Bischoff. No, not state. A state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia?
2: So some more details came out after our show yesterday about Aaron Rodgers and his positive COVID test and his uh, vaccination status. Uh, Aaron Rodgers apparently received homeopathic treatment from his personal doctor to raise his antibody levels, according to Ian Rapaport. He asked the NFL to consider him vaccinated because of that treatment even though he did not actually receive the vaccine uh, the nfl made a ruling and determined that no that does not count you are not vaccinated if you raise your antibody levels through homeopathic treatment uh so aaron Rodgers has been considered unvaccinated this entire time the interesting part's gonna be like he and the Packers are going to ultimately get in trouble, right? Like, there's been a lot of evidence of Aaron Rodgers not following all of the protocols that vaccinated players are supposed to be following.
1: Absolutely, there have been. And if this is the truth that he petitioned and was denied, then he's been knowingly flaunting it the whole time. There's nothing where he could have convinced himself, well, I'm immunized and so I'm fine. Like, the protocols are what they are. And obviously, this brings up the question about the Packers organization and just how far are they willing to bend for Aaron Rodgers, right? (laughs) Like We've been wondering all along, is there any way that he comes back next year? Well, it certainly seems like they've been willing to bend the rules for Aaron Rodgers for quite a while here in the hopes that maybe he'll stay. So I don't know, man, this this has a potential to get ugly for Green Bay.
2: Yeah, like I assume there's gonna be some punishment here for Rodgers and probably the organization itself. My other question though is, from the NFL's standpoint, they were aware and were considering him unvaccinated. And like when, like one of the examples is Aaron Rodgers has done press conferences with the media without a mask on, indoors, closed building. Anytime you're in the facility, you're supposed to have the mask on. Like, wouldn't the NFL have been... Like, Nomad had been punishing him before it all came out that he was unvaccinated?
1: So the quote from... Uh, Brian McCarthy, the NFL spokesperson, is that the primary enforcement responsibility for all the COVID protocols goes to the team. Well, obviously they could see that the team wasn't following (laughs) those protocols, but imagine you're Roger Goodell, and you decide that the fight you're going to pick this year is whether or not Aaron Rodgers wears a mask. Like that seems to me to not only be a losing football PR battle, but a losing political PR battle. As well, when you consider the typical uh, NFL owner in particular, so you know, should they have? Yes, but I mean, we're talking about the NFL. When we say should they have, we do it all the time.
2: Now, the one good bit of news out of this is that Blake Bortles is back. He is signing with the Packers. He was actually with the Packers until Aaron Rodgers reported in the off-season uh, because the Packers not only have Aaron Rodgers on the COVID list, their third stringer is also on the COVID list before Blake Bortles, Jordan Love was the only one they had that was going to be able to play this weekend. Um, so here's my question. How bad does Jordan Love have to be for Blake Bortles to actually go into the game against Kansas City this weekend?
1: Look, uh, this is another movie reference you might not get. Um, like this that. could be like, the yeah, like this could be like, you know, like the night from the Holy Grail uh, from Monty Python, where it's like, it's merely a flesh wound, right? Like you cut off the arm, you cut off the leg, you cut off the other arm and Jordan Love would still be going out there with the ball between his teeth trying to run instead of bringing Blake Bortles into the game. Um, so I, I, I think Balake is definitely on the sidelines this entire game. I don't care about your next question.
2: Buster Posey is expected to announce his retirement today, according to The Athletic. Um... When we put Buster Posey's career in perspective, is he a top five catcher of all time?
1: Who, I mean, when you start this list, where do you start? Do you start with uh, with Bench? Do you start with Barra? Like, where do you where do you go? Piazza has got to be on the list somewhere. Um, you know, you, you, there, there are a lot of guys you could make a, a pretty good case for, but it's hard to make a better case than Buster Posey uh, when you take into account the championships, the defense, the hitting. Uh, The longevity that he had, the fact that he came back this year off uh, a year off for COVID and became an offensive force again. He put a punctuation mark on it this year with a team with the best record in the majors. So, I mean, Buster Posey was the heart and soul of one of the dynasties of Major League Baseball. Hard to keep him outside of that.
2: Yeah, like it's 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 always crazy to me when you have a catcher that is as good as a hitter as Buster Posey has been, because I, I mean, I was just thinking like in my lifetime as a baseball fan, like Mike Piazza was the best catcher when I first got into baseball. And then there was a little bit of pudge. And since then, it's like Joe Maurer and Buster Posey have really been the only other two catchers that have had any sort of stretch of significantly. Oh yeah. That guy's a really good hitter. That's also a really good catcher. Like it's, it's a very it's a very sparse position to have any sort of competency, and Buster Posey did it for such a long time. And, and however much you want to attribute team success to individuals, they won championships. Like the Giants had multiple championships with Buster Posey. Like it's it's an incredible career, and I, I mean I don't know where you put him exactly in the top five, but he's certainly one of the best that's ever done it.
1: Yeah, and, I, and to to add a story to that that came out yesterday, if you want to know what Buster Posey meant to that franchise during matt kane's perfect game he shook off buster posey exactly zero times (laughs) buster posey called the entire perfect game
2: next question the colonial athletic conference will not allow james madison to compete in conference championships or tournaments this year james madison is going to join the conference usa in the future uh but for this season at least they're going to still compete in their current conference the Colonial uh okay I I I have a tough time comprehending what the the logic here is other than the Colonial just being petty because like they're not going to convince James Madison to stay by simply saying well if you if you stay we'll let you play for the conference championship this year like it's just them it's just a whole conference being petty and ultimately punishing kids that have nothing to do with this decision.
1: I think the worst part of all of this is that they did this to James Madison, but they told Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton they could compete.
2: Oh boy, that's a Jared joke.
1: (laughs) And that joke goes to show you how much I cared about this story in the first place.
2: What? You're not mad about James Madison not being allowed to compete? Come on. I have so much to get
1: mad about in this world. I can't extend it to JMU.
2: It's the Colonial. It's a big deal. Oh, you know, I can't tell you that. Do you guys like that uh, air blower that's going off behind me? Whatever that is. Somebody blowing leaves.
0: Yeah. um, Was someone mowing while we were talking to Jeff Erickson?
2: I mean, I think it's this leaf blower. It's not like there's grass behind me. There's just an empty parking lot behind this Houston Airbnb. I,
1: I was assuming that it was someone from the Atlanta Braves organization cleaning up the last of the oh, confetti. God, you're the
2: worst. All right. P.J. Walker took all the first team reps yesterday for the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold is limited as he goes through concussion protocol. Are you excited to watch P.J. Walker play quarterback in the NFL?
1: no i'm not i'm but the the flip side of that is i'm not excited to watch sam darnold play quarterback <laughs> in the nfl either so i'm not sure how this really changes the equation for our carolina panthers
2: pj walker was uh, xfl mvp last year he did throw 56 passes one touchdown five interceptions uh and now he's potentially the starter for the panthers this weekend, Sam Darnold. My my big disappointment on Sam Darnold is that I did want him to be really good in Carolina just so we could laugh at Adam Gase some
1: more. Oh, you can still laugh at Adam Gase. I I know we can.
2: I know we can. But right now, it's like Ryan Tannehill's out there is the one guy that's like, oh, yeah, he got away from Adam Gase, and he's awesome. I kind of wish that had happened to Sam Darnold, too. Wow. Sorry. (laughs) Um I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry.
1: My favorite is that I could, for a second, I couldn't tell if Jared had somehow clipped the leaf blower and was then using it as the transition.
0: (laughs) I I started laughing before I could click the button.
1: The NFL and
2: Aristocrat Gaming have partnered to make NFL-themed slot machines. Did they just steal this idea from Marcus Arroyo?
1: Just remember, everyone. Gambling on sports legalized in the United States will cause irreparable harm to professional sports leagues. Irreparable harm. They'll never come back from it until they can sign a deal for NFL slot machines.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. You're going to walk into a casino in Vegas and you're just going to have all 32 teams with their own slot machine lined up. It'll be fun. And it'll ruin the integrity of the game at the same time. What do you
1: what do you mean with every with, there will be a line ten deep to play the Pittsburgh Steelers machine, and there will be someone handing out hundred dollar free bets at the Jags <laughs> machine just saying, please somebody come spin this. I, I think I mean, do we make the AFC South their own machine? Just like get them all make together. <laughs>
2: That's not a bad idea, Jared. Save some money, save some space on the casino floor. Just consolidate some of these teams. We could probably do more than that. Just add about five or six teams that nobody cares about to one slot machine. It'll it'll work out. Well we well. do
0: it, it it'll be we'll finally have a relegation in American sports, except it's you get relegated to that one slot machine with the Jags.
1: Happy to move on to the to the next question here, Aaron.
2: Dan Mullen I had to clarify his comments about recruiting. Earlier in the week, Dan Mullen was asked about recruiting and said, we're in the season now. We'll do recruiting after the season. When it gets to recruiting time, we can talk about recruiting. He got hammered for this because in college football, it is always recruiting time, whether it's in season or not. So he had to clarify that and say our staff recruits nonstop. We grind at recruiting every day Uh, I prefer to live in the reality though where Dan Mullen does not recruit until the season is over
1: if I were Dan Mullen I would be more concerned about what's going on during the season considering you were about to go to the half down three points against Georgia and then all of a sudden you decided to open it up and you were down many many more than three points Uh, so they don't have it handled on the field or off the field here at the moment just
2: a perfect example as to why Marcus Arroyo always runs the clock out at the end of the first half.
1: Do I do my own next question here?
2: No, no, no. Now we go to break. And when we come back, eh, I guess we'll talk about baseball. What a dumb sport. And That was going through my mind, to be honest. A lot of feelings, mixed emotions. So if I want to say thank you for all your support, my time here was amazing. Seven greatest years of my life. Uh... I don't know. We'll see. I unmuted myself. Calm down, Jared. Don't yell. I know you were about to. Who was that saying, uh, we'll see?
0: That would be when they asked Zach Greinke, will you be the last pitcher to ever get a hit in the World Series? Uh, And his response was, typical Zach Greinke uh you know whatever
2: uh bob nightingale reported that zach cranky is going to leave he's a free agent he's gonna leave the astros and he wants to play for an nl team that's his, only... that's his I motorcycle
1: that's his motorcycle right there he's leaving right town behind
2: me. is he the only one in baseball still holding out hope that the universal dh doesn't come next year
1: if you're Zach Greinke, you've always kind of lived within your own little reality. And so why not? <laughs> Zach Greinke has made his money. He's got everything that he needs uh, out of life other than that ability to what, what was the? Did he wanted 10 homers and 10 steals in his he career?
2: Went, yes, he wants 10 career homers, 10 career steals. He has nine of both in his career.
1: I can't believe Zach Greinke has nine steals. That's pretty amazing, <laughs> actually, that any pitcher has even attempted nine steals. Who's I not Shohei Otani.
2: I think he's perfect. I think he's nine for nine, too. Like, I, I don't think he's ever been thrown out.
1: I'm Fixed just trying to imagine. Well. I'm thinking, like, Zach Greinke with the Diamondbacks, like, in a, on a cold night in San Francisco, wearing the satin starter jacket, taking off for second base. i <laughs> will so love it.
2: Okay. I do want to let you guys know that there there is a uh, greater than 0% chance that I get kicked out of my Airbnb at 11 o'clock, which would be 9 o'clock, which would mean there would be an hour left on the show.
1: Okay, is that supposed to encourage the <laughs> listeners or make them feel worse?
2: Candy I don't know. and Jared in the morning. I mean, you guys would miss the leaf blower and the random motorcycle that was driving by. Because, um, okay, here's here's my Airbnb. The checkout is normally at 11 o'clock. When I booked it, I asked, hey, can I check out at noon one hour later? I, I need to do something for work until noon. And so I, I'm dealing with there's a host and a co-host. And the co-host, she's the one I've been communicating with. And she was like, yeah, that's fine. Just help us out and pick up your towels and whatever else, blah, blah, blah. But twice the guy who's the actual host has sent me just like a, you know, hey, details about your stay. And both times he's been like, check out is at 11 o'clock. I'm pretty sure I'm good until noon, but there's a slight chance I get dragged out of here with an hour left in the show.
1: Well, I mean, much like the press box today, co-host better than the host. (laughs)
2: exactly how it works
1: now I'm thinking that maybe you're getting the boilerplate from the host like the one they copy and paste and send to everybody
2: I think so I'm pretty sure that's what's happening here but I I just I I
1: want this no no, 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 Tyler I want this to be like that they have bouncers who are going to knock on the door (laughs) at 1105 and like drag you out while you're on mic I want you I want you to try to, to keep this going while it's happening I think narrating it would be great content
2: Right. I do, too. Like me getting drug out would be great content for the show. Hell, just them randomly walking in this place would be great content for the show, too. But, you know, think
1: think about it this way. How long would it take them to get either the police or some sort of security there to get you out? Right. Like you've got an hour easily. There's no way they can physically get you out of there within that hour. The press box means that much to you, right?
2: I don't, yeah, I was going to say, you think I'm just like camping out and drawing a hard line and saying, no, I am not leaving until I finish this show?
1: I thought it was possible. Um, oh, oh, hey, by the way, did you end up going to the Funeral History Museum yesterday? No,
2: I did not go to the Funeral History Museum yesterday.
1: What did you do with your day?
2: Okay, I need you guys to know, downtown Houston has got to be like the dullest downtown city I've ever been in. Like the funeral museum might have been less dull, more vibrant, than downtown Houston. So yesterday, finished the show, uh, and I ended up. I I decided I was just going to go to Main Street, which is like a couple blocks from where I'm staying, and I just walked down Main Street downtown Houston, just like the entire way. And I have never been in a downtown city that has less like shops or restaurants or bars for pedestrian traffic. Like there's like very few places that you could just walk into and buy something, or walk into and eat or drink. And None of the bars open until three p.m. By the way, so I just walked down Main what? Street. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, that's the thing, Jared. Like living in Las Vegas, I can't ever tell if like we're just really weird or if other places are weird because the bar doesn't open until three p.m. But yeah, I walked down Main Street. Uh, didn't see much. Walked to the Astros team store. I bought a Lance McCullers shirt and a hat that was 50% off and then I met up with my friend that drove in from Austin and we had dinner and drinks and then he drove back to Austin. So I didn't do much of anything except spend some money on a team that just lost the World Series and walk down a boring main street.
1: Um the bars don't open till 3. Less friendly to <laughs> less friendly to pedestrian traffic. Uh, by the who walks in Houston? Nobody walks, right? Like, you you either drive and park your car or you ride your steer and tie it to a light post, right? <laughs> I can't imagine that there's a lot of people showing up, you know, by light rail, just sort of wandering around. There,
2: There is. There is a light rail. No,
1: I know. I was actually using that on purpose because I know there's a light rail.
2: That was where the only people I saw were waiting to get on it or getting off of it.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I I feel like that your Houston trip has not had a single redeeming quality yet.
2: Um, I don't know.
1: Lawnmower man.
2: Bad. Yeah, the lawnmower's out there. I got I got a hat that was fifty percent off.
1: Okay. All right. Well if that's that, that is a that is a lot better than going to game seven of the World Series. Listen, I understand.
2: The the ribeye steak I had last night was delicious. It was one of the best ribeye steaks Ooh. I've ever had.
1: Ooh, ribeye steak. Yeah. My oh my. Did you get it's to great. pick out your own cow?
2: No, I think that they, they did it for me. It's like, uh. you know, they did the lobster tanks at Red Lobster. It's the same thing. There's a cow in the backyard.
1: Yeah, it's the one that the uh that the host rode to work today. It's <laughs> now being used. Anyway, I I had no idea that that uh that being a morning radio host puts you in the ribeye category i figured like maybe you were a flank steak guy or something but ribeye very impressive very impressive you you must be uh you must be making a little extra money for some of those reads huh
2: well i you know i'm getting nine hundred dollars back that i didn't use spend to go to game seven so
1: this is fair Got this some is money fair. to spend was my lot. Yeah, yet. you know what? Yeah. Yeah. You spent a thousand dollars in the first place. You had nine hundred left over. Was five hundred by the way, you paid five hundred dollars for your ticket uh to game six. What were game seven ticket prices looking like?
2: Well, I bought my game seven ticket and I bought a nine hundred dollar upper deck ticket for game seven. Uh which was, yeah, I got a lower bowl ticket for five hundred bucks, and then game seven was significantly more. I th- probably because I didn't I bought my tickets the day of game 6. If I had waited until the day of game 7 if there had been one, it probably would have been cheaper, but I also had the fear of oh these might get more expensive and I didn't want to I didn't want to risk that, so I just said whatever, I'll eat it now and pay the 900 bucks for a game 7 ticket.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I remember very clearly going to the 1999 World Series in New York. And I had tickets to Game 3, which was the uh, the Chad Curtis walk-off game uh, in extra innings against the Braves. And then my buddy and I, who were there, were trying desperately to make plans to find tickets uh, to Game 4. Like we, we couldn't find anything that was even halfway reasonable. People were asking $500, and that was in 1999. <laughs> um, and so we ultimately ended up going to watch it in a bar in, uh, in Times Square. But what we... What we had available to us were game five tickets where we were going to have to take the uh Long Island Railroad all the way to the far, far end of Long Island in the hopes, in the hopes that this guy at the Ronkonkoma station <laughs> might actually be legitimate with the tickets that he was selling us, which by the way, there was no Stub Hub. We were trying to buy them off eBay i was about to say how
2: the hell were you buying these tickets we
1: were buying them off ebay because that's how you bought tickets back then and we had been communicating back that's not even the shadiest ticket story i have from uh from new york but i'll save it for another time
2: all right we will get that later coming up next darren millard joins the show
1: listen this doesn't concern you
0: maroon is not just a color this is the vgk update with Darren nosey Millard.
2: Good
0: morning, Darren. Quite a fun
2: morning for you, huh? Yeah, it's well,
0: uh, early uh, before dawn, and uh, and it hasn't stopped. It's, it's been it's been really good. Kelly is just wrapping up his media availability. You know, talking about the acquisition of a uh, of a superstar forward, and the beat goes on with the Vegas Golden Knights going big game hunting.
2: Can you tell Kelly not to do these trades at 4:30 a.m.?
0: <laughs> I will. Uh, I will get that. Uh, that to him. Actually, he and I were going back and forth last night about something totally different uh, regarding tonight's game, and uh, and I sent him a note this morning just saying, um, like, like a little bit of a heads up. <laughs>
1: uh, Darren, there are rumors out there that uh, the Golden Knights' cap situation is such that they might have to trade you. Is that, is that true?
0: Uh, I can confirm this, that there's probably 60 people uh, whose contracts uh, are higher than mine. <laughs> mine mine's not going to re- create much cap, cap flexibility. <laughs> and, I'm, 60. and I'm very happy where have. I am right now.
2: <laughs> Look at you. You're a big shot. You're in the top 70. Uh,
0: yeah, Exactly. Exactly. 73 employees.
2: All right. So Jack Eichel... Uh, traded to the Golden Knights. They're giving up Alex Tuck. Yeah. giving up Peyton Krebs. So first off, before we get into anything else that might happen in the future because of the salary cap, just the trade itself. You think the Golden Knights got a steal here? You think they gave up too much to Buffalo? Like, what are your thoughts on just this trade itself?
0: Well, it's, it's really one of the more difficult trades to analyze, uh, Tyler, because there's so many moving parts to it. Uh, you've got two players that are out right now injured in, in Tuck, and uh, one uh, Eichel, and then you add in the surgery that Eichel's going to have to have. Uh, and so where where is the trade when it's when everybody's healthy? Does everybody get back to it's complete health? Uh, but if, if I was going to take it on face value, that the Jack Eichel that we saw when he was going... And the Alex talk that we saw with the progression that we witnessed from uh, from Alex talk, and then the uh, the prospect in, in Peyton Krebs, uh, I think you gave up uh, a lot for a star player. But what you get in a star player is a position that you were uh, wanted to address have uh, have been focused on uh, addressing. And you get a, a star player who can play multiple different roles for you. It's, he's not just a disher as a center. Uh, Jack Eichel's release and ability to score goals on his own is exemplary. And then you add in the uh, the bonus uh, to the power play, which we've talked about uh, over and over and over. Uh, that impact uh, does it give you a, a line that uh, that was already considered one of the one of the better lines in the National Hockey League with Chandler Stephenson, Max Pacioretty, and Mark Stone. Do you put uh, Jack Eichel with those two players? That, that gives you uh, a top four line in the National Hockey League right away, and then depending on, on production. So uh, on, on face value, uh, did, did you win? Well, there's going to be some futures that, that will tell uh, when it comes to the first-round pick and, and Peyton Krebs. But uh, in a win-now scenario... Tyler, Uh, and again, um, giving uh, benefit of the doubt that everybody's going to be healthy. Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights put themselves in an incredible position to win the Stanley Cup, and and I would give them the nod.
1: During uh, our friends at Sinbin were kind of running some of the possibilities out there and trying to figure out down the line what might happen in terms of the cap and whether the Golden Knights would lose more players. If you were to lose... And I'm just throwing names out, not uh, that these are the players that any anything uh, has specific has been tied to. But if you lost a Nick Wah, if you lost a Keegan Kolasar, a Dylan Coghlan, etc., um, do you still feel like that there's there's the value there for for the Golden Knights in making the trade? Because I think it kind of comes down to, you know, we're talking about a team that might now have two of the better lines in all of the NHL with more question marks on the third and fourth than they started the season with.
0: Yeah, and and the season started with uh, a discussion about how this is the deepest team that that they've ever had up front. Uh, when you say lose, you're talking about trading uh, away players. Uh, t-
1: you might uh, guys who might not get through waivers. Guys who might have to be traded, right. etc.
0: Okay, I just wanted to make sure that we were on the on the same page because losing uh, with with injury right now is is uh, okay. is sort of where my brain's at. But yeah, yeah. I, I understand that question. And Kelly McCreanor just that actually dealt with that uh, question on a Zoom press conference right before uh, Jared called me. And, and I'm glad that, uh, that that timing worked out, that I was able to hear it. And uh, his, his answer was interesting in, in how do you get back to uh, when you're fully healthy uh, to be CAP compliant. And his, his answer was intriguing because he said, there's no guarantee we'll, we'll deal with that when we get there. And we may have to make, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, a uh, difficult decision, or a decision, but uh, but there's no guarantee that you're ever going to get get back there. You, nobody ever thought that the Vegas was going to go through a stretch like this for injury. So uh, for this year, you you may not have to actually worry about it because those those decisions may be made for you if if there's uh, a certain player with a certain salary that that, that is unable to go, um, but. Uh, but I think the, the gain right now is is still worth the uh, uh, risking any depth uh, questions uh, down the lineup uh, when you can add a, a centerman like Jack Eichel, who uh, becomes your highest-paid player but also has significant term remaining on his contract. And we'll see what the recovery is. Uh, Adam, one more note on that. It's a three-to-four, four-to-five-month uh, window here, it's never been done in hockey player. So when when the hockey player is ready to come back, we're we're in a real mysterious uh, unknown window uh, for for Jack Eichel. Uh, if it's if it's five months, the end of the season is is April, a- a- end of April. Uh, you won't have to worry about it. If it's four months, three months then you've got some some juggling to do. So uh, long answer or uh, short, uh, uh, it's uh, it's going to be a, uh, a one that we'll have to deal with when the time comes because right now there's so many moving parts to it that it's virtually impossible to, to give you a specific answer.
2: Okay. Timeline on the hypothetical there that you just laid out because McCrimmon mentioned that four- to five-month time frame ah. and not really being sure when he could come back and – is there a chance Jack Eichel's first game for the Golden Knights is a playoff game?
0: Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I, I think it's uh, it's right in that in that window. Uh, and, Ke- and Kelly gave out uh, two answers. He said three to four or four to five. Like, they they just don't know if it's if it's five and change because I don't know when he's going to have the surgery. Uh, we're we're early uh, November. Uh, they they've done uh, from the sounds of it. Uh, Papers on CA Sports representative of Jack Eichel have done their due diligence. Uh, when when do you they like, go in and have the surgery recovery time? If you if you have it at the end of the well then you're you're looking at five full months until the, the end of the season. If if you get it now, you you uh, you almost gain a month in 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 that window. So um, uh, that's going to depend on uh, on. Uh, being a determining factor, but yeah, I think I think there's a real possibility that his first game is is in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which would be his first playoff game.
1: And it's not the first time that obviously you know we've seen the uh, the cap work that way. You know, Nikita Kucherov last year with uh, with Tampa Bay, we saw this uh, go on. So with where the Golden Knights are right now, and obviously you're going to subtract Peyton Krebs from their current. Uh, forward group, uh, what do you think the Golden Knights need to do in order to? I'll either say tread water or succeed uh, until they start to get some guys back.
0: Uh, probably more efforts like you saw in in Colorado, which was their best effort uh, through 60 minutes and got some great goal-tipping. and then you'll need uh, some of what you witnessed out of Dallas and just being fortunate, taking advantage, uh, sticking around a game. Uh, through the goaltending. Uh, this is going to be a scratch and claw and do everything you can to get points at them. And uh, you're, we're going to have to be patient as followers of the team and and be accepting not like, uh, like that it's no problem, but accepting of the, the possibility that games like the Toronto game are going to happen every now and then with this group. Because they're just not as talented as a Toronto Maple Leaf team that's so deep and and skillful. So games that are are a little more lopsided are are going to occur more than we've ever witnessed. And that's a reality based on the talent level. The the other side is it doesn't mean that you have to lose every game, or it doesn't mean that you're you're limited to being five hundred. You can, you can find a way to, I I expect them to be very competitive and and uh, I think uh, tonight's a winnable game. Uh, tomorrow night is or uh, Saturday night's a winnable game. Uh, so I, I think 500 on this road trip is is still an expectation in my mind uh, to to come off this trip. But uh, but as far as uh, overall performance, if you can be 500 with with the group with 30 billion now 35 million dollars out of the lineup uh, with with Jack Eichel, uh, then then to in my Thinking that that's a success, and then you make your run when when everybody's healthy.
2: Will Jack Eichel score the first power play goal of the season for the Golden Knights?
0: <laughs> that is a Tyler Bishop <laughs> statement. That's not even a question. That's a statement disguised as a question. And and no, hey, uh, the Ottawa Senators, Montreal Canadiens, and the Detroit Red Wings are. Somewhere in the range of like twenty sixth, thirtieth, and then twenty fourth in that order, uh, on the penalty kill. So my my projection here is you will see a power play goal before they get home from this road trip. Okay, it's, and maybe maybe just the, the acquisition of Jack Eichel, just his presence in the organization helps out because I love the fact that he's a scorer. That it's not just. Uh, distributor, I, I think that's that's huge, and that gives you so many different options with uh, with Stoneham. And, and I'm not just automatically taking Stevenson off that line, but uh, look logically, uh, skills point to Eichel taking over that role.
2: Darren, it's pretty incredible that it is somewhat of a hot take for you to say they will score a power play goal in the next three I games. I know,
0: <laughs> I know. I I, I was so hoping that it would happen in the Toronto game. Even though it wasn't the the, the greatest performance, uh, just just to score to have that underlying theme taken away and that that goose egg uh, removed from the from the graphic, uh, that uh, it didn't happen. But that was like halfway through the game. That became my my, my wish for the uh, for the result of that contest.
2: All right, so. You didn't want to take Chandler Stevenson off that line right away, but you're going to. Eichel, Stone, Pacharetti is the blank best line in the NHL.
0: Is the top four? Absolutely. I mean, Edmonton has two of them <laughs> because depending on who they have, uh, they have together. Um, but but yeah, I think I think, uh, I think to, to say that they're the the best or they're the top two is is unfair because we haven't seen them play together. And, and that's, uh, that's a stretch. I think that would be uh, there'd be a lot of hyperbole in, in, in that statement. But, uh, but I think with, with the numbers and the, and the way they play, uh, and, and I've, the nicknames already there. They're the captains uh, because of uh, everybody's worn a seat, uh with, with that group. So they've already got a cool nickname too. So they've got one of the the perfection line in, in Boston is pretty good. But uh, but the captains, uh, I think the captains are are automatically a top four line.
2: All right, he's Darren Millard. Catch him on the VGK Insider. What are you guys going to talk about now? Six, uh, probably the NBA. It's a much better sport. Yeah. yeah. That's not That's true at all. <laughs> you Players know it is. Get out of here, Darren. Okay. Bye. <laughs> There's Darren Millard from the BGK Insider Show. Coming up next we break out our favorite personality on the show. It's referee, Adam Candy.
1: You might have seen him at your local YMCA
0: arguing with a U-12 coach. Let's tee it up with Adam. Wait, it's a ref segment? Wouldn't it make more sense if it was a golf segment? Whatever. Let's tee it up with Adam Candy.
2: Oh, great imaging. Is that the first time you've heard that, Adam?
1: It is not.
2: Oh, okay. All right. It's good. Good sound. All right. Adam Candy, our resident referee. I wanted to ask you about the NBA because we have seen in the NBA, uh, referees have stopped calling plays or fouls when the offensive player initiates contact through a non-basketball move. Uh, James Harden is one of the main guys that comes to mind Trey Young as well guys that you know you have a pump fake defender jumps and you jump into the defender or what Trey Young did a lot of last year is hey you slow down dribbling when there's a defender on your back or on your hip they run into you and that is a foul and you can get free throws out of that if you are in the bonus we've seen James Harden have a lot of games where he is not shooting free throws and James Harden has not been as good this year just simply as a score. Uh so I'm curious referee Adam Candy what are your thoughts on the NBA's changes to not giving offensive players these calls.
1: As always I agree with Draymond Green. Um this is exactly where I expected to be <laughs> saying that me and Draymond are sharing one brain. He says it's great. He says that he's never enjoyed watching the game more than now and it's hard for me to argue. Uh, these changes are intended to create a more free-flowing game that looks more like basketball. And the play you just described, let's start with the one on the three-point shot. I think that's the one everyone got kind of tired of, right? Where you get a pump fake on a three, you get a defender running out, and that's the important part. It's a defender running out and jumping from like, you know, the free throw line and landing into the extended leg of the shooter and basically all they did was they just waited there for the guy to come hit them and they fling the ball in the air and get three shots out of it that's not something anyone wants to watch no one wants more free throws right nobody wants to watch guys go to the line as much as we've seen James Harden and Trey Young go to the line and that's not a repudiation of their skill by any stretch of the imagination they were playing by the rules that were there and the fact that Trey Young has been complaining the way that he has about defensive fouls being missed that tells me that this is working and. The league was out there defending this hard this week. Monty McCutcheon and some of their stats people were out there basically saying, yep, this is going exactly the way we want it to.
2: So here is my issue with it. And it's not so much the the change in rules or change in what they're calling. It's that you mentioned basketball being a free-flowing game. Nobody wants to watch free throws. I think the problem with basketball is that the main punishment when you break the rules is the other team gets free throws because here's here's what I, I I'm not a massive fan of the 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 rule changes here because when you have a defender that bites on a pump fake they should be punished for playing bad defense and if if they foul the guy shooting they foul the guy shooting if you're defending a guy and you end up behind them and Trey Young can stop and you just run into him you shouldn't be rewarded for playing bad defense both of those cases to me are bad defensive plays now as an offensive player. There are other ways you can exploit it. You don't have to hunt the foul. You can p- conceivably just drive to the basket or drive around the guy that's got a bad closeout, but we shouldn't be rewarding bad defense. So I never had a massive problem with players hunting those fouls because it was exploiting what was a bad defensive play. The issue, though, is that when those get exploited, they don't turn into, you know, an alley-oop dunk or a wide-open three. They turn into free throws, and I, I – I, I don't have an answer. I don't have a solution for it. I just think that I think the biggest problem of the sport of basketball is like, it's my favorite sport to watch because of how free flowing it is for the most part. It's one of the most free flowing sports that we have, but you have end of game scenarios where free throws can ruin it. And you have these types of situations where free throws can ruin the product that you're watching. I I don't know what the solution is, but that seems to be my biggest issue in terms of an entertainment standpoint is the biggest problem in basketball is we grind the game to a halt to shoot free throws anytime there's a broken rule.
1: Man, did you just take two arguments, tangle them together and tie them with a double knot and make it so that they're almost impossible to undo. (laughs) Uh, You basically just dragged the free throw as penalty for anything in basketball, which, yeah, um, good luck with that one. And then you talked about how defenders would be penalized uh, by, for doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And I'll agree with you on this much. The whole idea of the guy dribbling and stopping and the guy behind him hitting him, that's a really difficult one for a referee to play, right? Because yes, sometimes it's super obvious when a dribbler pulls up and you see them like stiffen up their back like they just saw a ghost and you know that they're looking for the contact from behind. Uh, That is a tougher play sometimes, but the play we were talking about when it comes to the offensive player on a three pointer, I didn't use the best example of a guy, you know, leaping from the free throw line and causing a foul like that's a foul. What we see is that sometimes you get a defender up in the air where his foot moves forward about three inches and then the offensive player leans in to try to make the contact happen. That's a problem. That's the problem that they're trying to fix. So I think I used a bad example out there at the first.
2: Yeah, I, and here's the thing, I I don't have a problem with them trying to, hey, stop leaning into defenders, that's fine. I think, because here's what James Harden did. James Harden and a lot of people realized, well, hell, the free throw is one of the most efficient things I can do in this sport. How can I get more of these? And that was how. And again, to go back to my complaints about free throws, that's the issue. You want as many free throws as you can get in a game, but they're really boring to watch.